Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. And we're glad that you are on this Wednesday, December 27th edition of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander and producer engineer Michael Mergens were in the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. Our buddy Luke is at the same studio in Laurel. To come on the program today, we're going to be talking Southern Miss basketball with the video coordinator and director of of scouting Logan Wallace, and then a little later on in the program, Noah Freire from the Freire and Smith podcast. They are the uh, foremost authorities on everything going on in the Sunbelt Conference. We'll be talking about the football bowl games, uh, wrap-up, and, and where some teams now sit heading into the 2024 season. This first segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a big fan of Southern Miss Athletics, and we're a big fan of the always fresh food and items on the menu at Dickie's, whether it's dining in, dining out, or a small or large catering event, Dickie's can take care of you. And, of course, every time you take care of Dickie's, you're indirectly taking care of Southern Miss because they're big contributors to the athletic program. With that, we bring on video coordinator and director of scouting, Logan Wallace, who I think, Logan, this is the first time that you've joined us on the show. Am I mistaken, or is that right? Uh, that is correct, or am I there, uh, well, right there. My first time. Well, we are, I'm a little nervous. We'll be, we'll be gentle. <laughs> okay. Hey, the Eagles, Eagles get back to work now. Get ready for conference play, which is where it all truly begins. They will head mm-hmm. to Statesboro, Georgia, to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles on January 30th. But let's, let's go back in time, though, before we start talking about the other Eagles in Statesboro to the Rebels of Ole Miss. What did, what did uh, Coach Ladner and, and all of you guys take from that game, uh, both positive and negative, as your Eagles get ready to open conference play? Well, the biggest positive, obviously, was you know playing a top twenty-five team on neutral court. Um, was able to kind of you know stare them eye to eye for a little bit. Um, obviously, they came out just shooting the cover off the ball, and you know their uh, their shooting programs they have up there, you know, are very well detailed, very thorough. So um, we knew they're a good shooting ball club coming in. Um, just kind of got hot, couldn't get out to some shooters in the first half. But um, the biggest positive, obviously, like I said, we stood up there. You know, very talented team. You're not in the top twenty-five if you aren't talented. So. Being able to, you know, keep me in the second half, you know, I believe we might have even won the second half by a few points. I don't really have the box score in front of me, but, um, yeah, even the second half, 42-42. So, you know, just be able to show that we can compete, you know, obviously with Austin going down quickly, um, not being able to have him for the full 40 minutes was tough, but um, just a great test for us to finish out our non-conference late. Anything anything heading into Georgia Southern now where you're going, uh-oh? Uh. 
Not not quite yet. Um, still getting to some of the scouting, you know. Um, the record, you know, 0-12, you know, belays a poor team. But, you know, with a new coach, you know, he's just trying to get his players and his system. Uh, they still have some remaining players from their team last year, you know, which gives them some continuity. Um, you know, they have some good guard play. Um, and, you know, like we talked about earlier in our team meeting, you know, just because it's an 0-12 team does not show the fight that they're going to give, you know. Everyone's trying to get out of the hole. So us, you know, at the time back, uh, you know, we were playing South Dakota State and all that, trying to find our first Division One win. You know, we understand the desperation that those teams are going to play with. So um, still getting to the, you know, tactical um, game planning uh, aspects of it. But um, just a good offensive ball club. Obviously, assistant came from Alabama. He runs an NBA-style uh, offense. So um, shoot a lot of threes. But uh, just got to really, like we say, play to our level. And things should take care of themselves. All right, before I before I get Luke in here, I want to ask you about uh, the physical health of your Eagle team. You know, Donovan Ivory uh, has been out. You, you mentioned uh, Crowley. You know, now Corbello adds a adds an added dimension that we haven't seen at this point. But physically, how are the Eagles doing? Uh, we're actually probably the most healthy we've been all year. Um, obviously, Leah Biot, you know, is out for the year. Neftali has that long term foot. Um, Right. But Donovan, he's, you know, really gotten back. It was just a small kind of muscle strain. So um, he actually said today he's pretty much 100%. You know, we got to see other practices, practices today. Um, but Austin Crowley, he came back after the break. He's perfectly fine. Um, and then Andres, he's, uh, you know, just trying to get back into game shape. That's the biggest thing when you, you know, aren't playing in the games. Because as we know, practice, can, we can make them tough. But, you know, the games are entirely different. You know, when we played at Lamar, his first game, he played his two minutes, comes out and throws up on the side of the bench because, Again, that game pressure is just different. So um, this is actually the most healthy we've been to this point this year, I believe. Um, Logan, so Crowley leaving, you know, it was what two minutes into the second half. That was that was just precautionary checking him out. Anytime there's there's a head injury, you got to make sure that a guy's uh, good and you err on the the side of caution, right? Yeah, yeah. He was came back sitting on the bench, and you know he's a tough kid, Mississippi kid. Um, so he tried to give it a go if we, if y'all saw that he came in for a possession or two, but just wasn't feeling it. You know, Todd McCall, who's our new athletic trainer, he's, you know, obviously at AD for athletic training and elite athletic trainer. So, um, just better to keep him off, you know, and also kind of good to sometimes play without your best player. You know, you hate to say it cause you want to win and have your full cachet, but you know, force you to figure stuff out because. You know, sometime soon, Austin might have five fouls. You just can't play him, you know. Um, but pretty much precautionary. Everyone, like I said, is uh, at full health now. Good deal. Talk about Kobe Montgomery. I mean, he, he was he was on fire in the first half, and really uh, his shooting, you know, kept us in the ball game in the first half and mm-hmm. allowed him, you know, to, uh, to, to cut it close uh, for a little bit in the second half. Talk about what Kobe did Saturday. Yeah, well, Kobe, I mean, that's just the product of uh, our player development program that we have here. Coach Latner always um, belays that point. You know, Coach Nick Williams, Coach Isaiah Carson, they are elite player developers. Um, and Kobe Montgomery is the story of that player development. Obviously, he's had to settle all of last year because of uh, eligibility. Um, and this year, now that he's, you know, first few games trying to find your feet, you know, ain't been playing a competitive basketball game in a whole year, so trying to find your rhythm and groove. But, you know, in his past few games, he's really come on strong and, I mean, his numbers don't really show. I believe it's 28% from three right now. Um, but he's a knockdown elite, should be 40% three-point shooter. So um, this is just finally his time where, you know, he's getting playing time. He's getting open shots. He's earning the trust on the defensive end because, you know, he's still trying to figure out where to be, you know, how much pressure to give in certain spots, how much help, and, you know, where to give that help. Um, 
which is tough if you can't guard. It's tough to get on the floor to be able to shoot those shots. But um, he's always been, you know, elite. And uh, I think the biggest thing for him is being able to put the ball in the deck a little bit more, um, which is a great product the work that Nick Williams puts in with him. So uh, I think it's just finally getting the opportunity to show and shine what he can really do. We're visiting with Logan Wallace, Director of Video and Scouting for Southern Miss Men's Basketball. Golden Eagles uh, set to open Sunbelt play this Saturday in Statesboro, Georgia, against Georgia Southern at 2 p.m. We'll actually have Danny, uh, Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern, on tomorrow to, uh, to talk more about their team. But, but Logan, let's go back to, to your job. You, you mentioned player development several times. That, that falls under your role as the uh, director of video and scouting. And, you know, for, for the, the Golden Eagle fan out there that doesn't understand that side of the basketball program, just kind of walk, walk them through, you know, your responsibilities. And, and how much uh, you know you have to do with with what happens on the court? I think people need to understand that and appreciate what you do. Well, I appreciate that opportunity. Um, you know, I just had a recent title change. I was video coordinator la- or coordinator of video and camp operations last year, and now I'm director of video scouting. Um, but you know, being at a mid major program, you know, we don't have the 15 coaches that Ole Miss has, for example. So um, I'm really allowed to do a lot of different things within the within the program. You know, for instance, this isn't current, but over the summer, Coach Ladner, Coach Juan, Coach Nick, and Coach Zay, they gave me the opportunity to lead our summer player development program. So, you know, I do a lot of stuff on the court. Um, you know, do a lot of coaching as much as I can uh, on the court. Sometimes I got to come up and make sure video is all right, you know, make sure a captioning practice, make sure it's being edited the right way for the guys and coaches to watch it later on. Um, but, you know, I'm on the court for practices, you know, I coach up, you know, all the guys that I possibly can, you know, obviously make sure I see – who's really not being coached because, you know, Coach Nick, Coach Zay, Coach Juan, they do a great job. And, you know, so for maybe some of the low-minute guys like Bryson Hall or, you know, B.B. Benitez, you know, and Kobe, you know, he'll listen to me a good bit too and I can have input with whoever. But, um, you know, just trying to fill in where I can. Um, And also, like I said, being a small program, these coaches have really empowered me to spread my wings and, you know, whatever I think I want to try and do, they let me do that. So player development, um, you know, the video operations, and then obviously the opponent scouting, you know, as soon as I get off this call, I'm going to keep getting on Georgia Southern. So I'm going to have that all ready for tomorrow for the guys to see. So um, just wear a lot of different hats. And, you know, I always like to say whatever needs to get done, you just let me know and I'll get it done for you. Logan, we're nearing the end of our discussion with you. But I wanted to, you know, talking to Southern Miss basketball fans, I'll say, what do you think of this Eagle team so far? Because they're right about 500. And, and somebody mm-hmm. interesting, Christmas night actually said that this was his exact words. He said, I'm not sure I trust this team yet. <laughs> which I, which I thought was kind of an interesting answer but but I get what he's saying what do we what do we know are, are you guys ready now for conference play as you've tried to find this chemistry yeah and you know being 6 and 6 you know it's at this point a fair statement to say um you know coach Wanda saying going to be the one to say that but uh you know now we finally have Andres and our full cachet of players that are available this year you know, eligible, now the picture is going to start to make a little bit more sense. You know, it's tough to tough to play, especially offensively, you know, without right. the point guard. You know, right. the guy was supposed to orchestrate the offense, get guys in their spots and all that. So um, I think we had a tough non-conference slate. You know, we have some talent. You know, I think we're the most talented, and obviously not the most, one of the most okay. talented teams in the Sun Belt. So Got um, it. just think it's time for us to prove our worth. Well, Logan, we're glad to have you in the coaches' rotation with us here on our basketball discussions, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, go beat those uh, Georgia Southern Eagles, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir, will do. Appreciate y'all having me on. We will talk Sun Belt football with Noah Ferrier of the Ferrier and Smith podcast next.
Southern Miss to the top. Eagle Hour back on a Wednesday. Bowl season in full throttle. Virginia Tech in Tulane playing right now. Tulane up 7 to nothing. Happy to have you on the Eagle Hour with us. Big thanks to Logan Wallace of Southern Miss Basketball for joining us in that first segment. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark. Located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg and all the time online, campusbookmark.net. Luke Johnson, Kelly Center, Michael Mergens from the Southern Bancor Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Happy to have joining us back on the Eagle Hour, Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith Podcast. Recapping, Noah, pretty historic. 12, 12 uh, Sunbelt teams make bowl games. And I guess let's just start there. I mean, more than, than any other conference and uh, pretty pretty wild for the Sunbelt to get that many teams in bowl games. Yeah, guys, it has been, you know, a banner bowl season for the league. I did want to just start by saying that this is kind of like a, a late Christmas present for me coming on the Eagle Hour a couple of days after Christmas. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to you guys. But, yeah, I mean, banner season for the Sun Belt. I mean, to see 12 teams out of 14 playing in a bowl game this year has been huge. Uh, I think for continued exposure to the league, we saw games being played on ABC. We saw games played on ESPN1. Uh, just great exposure for the league all the way around. They did get off to... A bit of a rough start in bowl season, but uh, strong finish. Uh, gets them to five and seven uh, in bowl games this year. Texas State obviously capping it off with a big win uh, yesterday over Rice. So historic season, yeah, for the Sun Belt, and I think this is uh, you know really good for the league as they continue this. You know, as they have coined the, the phrase "rising," as they continue to rise, I think getting more teams into these bowl games is huge. Yeah, and some of these games, you know, Old Dominion gave us a clinic about how to blow one. Um, I, th- I thought Arky State got hosed a little on the, on the offsides call. I guess the one that, that I was probably most disappointed with, and we'll just kind of start there and then go to the positives. I mean, Air Force couldn't be stopped against uh, James Madison, and, and that one surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I think for me that was probably the most disappointing game of bowl season outside of, like you said, Old Dominion not being able to uh, you know hang on and down Western Kentucky. But – yeah, I think James Madison is a is a tough story and a tough thing to kind of you know think about here at the end of the year. You lose your head coach, the entire coaching staff is different. Uh, a number of players, you know, in the transfer portal. I believe it was eight players commit to Indiana as soon as that bowl game uh, ended, following their head coach Kurt Signetti and that staff uh, into the the Big Ten. But you know, for me, I, I'm not going to go out and say that there were too many distractions, but I think you can you can even think back to just a year ago and what happened with Coastal Carolina playing in the, the Birmingham Bowl and you lost your head coach, Grayson McCall was in the portal. Uh, it's easy in this day and age for, you know, all of that to get to you. Am I going to say that that fully got to James Madison in that game? No, I think Air Force was just the better team on that day. Um, but, yeah, I think that was a, a disappointment after the season uh, that they've had, but ultimately, congratulations to James Madison on the year that they had. I think it was, you know, a year that kept many of us talking, and certainly uh, under their new head coach Bob Chesney, I think that the future is bright for the James Madison Dukes. Yeah, and, and uh, a lot of people, I think, we're just thankful they got to play in a bowl game. It, it is, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end with the negatives after this question. Kelly can take over the positives. I guess what was frustrating for 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 Sun Belt fans is. Your two best teams that you were kind of pushing just a little bit uh, for New Year's Six consideration. I don't think they were ever in that conversation, but I mean, both of those teams, Troy and James Madison, lose their head coach, and so you know they were 
both at in in some ways they were not operating at a hundred percent. And and Troy's the other example. You know, they lost by by seven to Duke. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a challenge in this new age of college football. Not only do you have you know people who are you know head coaches that are leaving come. You know, that first week of December, you have this new era of the transfer portal where kids are, you know, in and out of that portal and, you know, choosing to skip bowl games. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of distractions, and I think a conversation could very clearly be had in the future about the windows of the transfer portal and when those things should be taking place. But, yes, it was a big disappointment for me to see Troy go down to Duke. I thought that was a very winnable game against the Duke team that didn't have their starting quarterback, and it didn't end up uh, going Troy's way. Um, but again, I don't think that can dampen the season that the Sun Belt has had as a whole. But you would have loved to have seen a better than 500 record in bowl season. And when you saw teams like James Madison and Duke lose, you knew that wasn't going to happen. And and Duke lost its coach as well. You know, so let's yeah. so let's no let's talk about the the new coaches now that are taking over some of these programs. And you've got news out of Texas State about an existing coach. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you see, you're going to see, you know, three new head coaches uh, in the league, uh, you know, heading into next year, at least as of right now. I think we can assume that we probably have all of our head coaches unless something, you know, crazy happens. But um, you look at Brian Vincent, who's taking over a ULM program. They've made some noise, uh, you know, with early signing day, bringing in some guys out of the transfer portal. Uh, we all know what that ULM program has been over the last couple of years. Can he help, you know, bring that team forward? And I think the thing that had me excited about that hire was reading that he's planning on bringing more of a high-octane offensive system um, down to Monroe. So I think that one could be fun. I'm really excited about the Bob Chesney hire uh, up at James Madison. I think he is the right man for this job. Uh, I've heard rave reviews from people around the program just about the type of person he is, how he interacts with uh, donors, which for all the credit we can give Kurt Signetti, he wasn't the biggest people person. He wasn't, you know, always great with the media other than some of the big sound bites. So I think Bob Chesney coming over from Holy Cross uh, is going to be, you know, a huge addition there. And then uh, a new head coach at Troy, too, which, you know, I think they have some issues right now with a lot of people graduating. I think they could be losing somewhere between 18 and 19 starters uh, and kind of trying to rebuild a little bit after winning back to back championships. So, um, I love the new faces that are in the conference, but it, it uh, you know certainly puts a damper on things when you're constantly losing your best head coaches every year. Well, it looks like G.J. Kinney's going to be around in uh, San Marcos for a while. What's what's new with Texas State Bobcats football program? Yeah, I mean, that Texas State program has me really excited right now. I, I mean, this is a program that historically has been a bottom dweller since joining the league. I mean, you have you know, eight wins over the last two seasons under their previous head coach. You bring in G.J. Kinney from Incarnate Word, and his team, you know, goes out and gets eight wins this season, which I think is huge. They win the bowl game over Rice, a game that they basically turned into a home game uh, at SMU Stadium. It was the largest crowd uh, at SMU Stadium all season long. That's an SMU program, obviously, we all know, is heading to the ACC in the near future. But, yeah, G.J. Kinney did a fantastic job, was rewarded by the administration with a, a contract that many have said is over a million dollars, which would make him the highest-paid coach uh, in the Sun Belt. I think that that was a needed investment. And, you know, we won't get into it in this segment, but I think that's an area that the Sun Belt needs to continue to grow in is how much are we paying our head coaches. A majority of the Sun Belt head coaches are making less than a million dollars at this point. I think Tim Beck might be the only one who's making close uh, or right at a million dollars. I think that's a conversation that needs to be, you know, continually in focus here as this league continues to grow. If, if they truly want to make themselves and supplant their position 
as the premier group of five conference. Yeah, to, Luke, to us regular day guys, it's, kind of, it's tough to think about. Gee, a million dollars? I, I well, think- I mean, even even you know with with uh, with Southern Miss. I mean, Noah, when when I played, different different time, but I mean, coaches. Other coaches were making, you know, a million plus, uh, and and we had a coach here that was making two seventy five, and and was just happy to be here. So Southern Miss always kind of been behind the eight ball, even with Will now making, you know, eight eight fifty. But I do want to, I do want to follow up and ask you that: is the John Sumrall to 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 Tulane deal? I mean, should we make more of that or less of that than what it is? I mean, you you best team in the conference, uh, you lose a head coach. To a regional, another regional group of five team. Would it, would it have only you could only put maybe Tulane, SMU, maybe a few more group of five teams that had that type of money? I mean, so should so was it just a unique anomaly because of who was involved? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you can almost compare it to what we saw a season ago with Jamie Chadwell going to Liberty. I mean, I think it face value, especially in this new era with the the 12-team college football playoff coming next year, you could say, hey, lateral move there. But, you know, guys, you understand it as well as I do, and I think the listeners do. Money's green. And when you are a Tulane, you know, college that's a private college and you can more than double, even almost triple what John Summerall uh, was making at at Troy, it's tough to say no to that, much like it was for Jamie Chadwell, who was making close to a million dollars to say no to four million dollars a year at liberty so you know i think at face value it's it's not the greatest look that you're losing you know a head coach to what many would call a peer league or even a league that is less i mean john summerall right before the championship said to me that he feels like playing in the Sun Belt is like playing in the sec of group of five so he's taking a step back to a conference that obviously tulane has started to dominate so there's a lot of intricacy and nuance, but I think most of us understand, and we would all jump at the opportunity to go triple our salary. Uh, so, to me, it's a great move for John Summerall. Um, about 30 seconds left uh, here. Any, any final thoughts about bowl season before we take a break and come back and talk some more Southern Miss in the next segment? You know, I think for me it was just huge to see the, the league win four in a row. I think we haven't mentioned Coastal Carolina. That was a huge win out in Hawaii against the very good San Jose State team. Um, you know, kudos to South Alabama as well for blowing out Eastern Michigan, obviously the unfortunate fight at the end. But um, I think there were some bright spots in the league here in bowl season, Texas State picking up their first win. So a lot of good things going on and uh, excited to see the league build on that as we head into 2024. Good stuff. We're visiting with Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast covering uh, the Sunbelt Conference. We're going to step aside a commercial break, come back, going to talk Southern Miss uh, football recruiting as well as uh, maybe a power index for the Sunbelt moving into 2024. Eagle Hour continues on a Wednesday. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. It was the only establishment open on Christmas night. They had a huge crowd there. Got to shoot some pool and uh, 
Say hello to folks who are kind of in and out during the holiday season, but they're always they always are open on uh, weekdays where they have their blue plate specials. And uh, the nine ninety nine lunch always includes your drink and all Southern Miss activities on the TVs there at Fourth Street Bar and Grill in the shadow of the Rock, right over the forty nine bridge on Fourth Street in Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander, Luke Johnson, and Michael Merkins continuing from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel continuing our discussion with Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast. Give them a like and uh, continue to download them on your different social media apps that you can get up to date with down-to-earth information from the Sunbelt Conference. And Noah, as we continue now, we want to look specifically at Southern Miss. And about uh, Will Hall's situation now, obviously, gets another year. And one of the first things he did was went out and hired two coordinators, one on each side of the ball. Give us your look from the outside in. Yeah, guys, let's be honest. That had to be priority 1A and 1B heading into the offseason. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we, the, the struggles a season ago for Will Hall and Southern Miss well documented uh, at this point on this program. But, I think it was huge for him. Obviously, once he gets the fourth year, I think it was probably a mandate that he needed to, you know, make some changes. You know, he brings in, you know, Chip Long, who has an extensive resume as an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, at the Power Five level. And I think that's a huge, you know, decision for them to bring in someone that we know is going to be calling plays. That was one thing we saw at the end of the year when, you know, Will Hall gave up the play calling duties. The offense did look a lot better. The numbers bear that out. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a huge hire. Uh, for Coach Hall there with Chip Long. And then you bring in a guy like Clay Bignell, who's, you know, out of eastern Illinois at the FCS level, pretty good, um, you know, a pretty good defense at that FCS level this past year. Uh, a little bit green, obviously, at this level, not a ton of defensive coordinator experience, but, um, you know, I think just a new injection of life is going to be good. So, for me right now, I'm giving Will Hall an A- minus on the on the two hires. I think this was the decision that needed to be made. Uh, he went out and found a couple of coordinators that I think could come in uh, and perhaps get Southern Miss back to the top, as you guys like to say. Well, there, there, are, some, there are some openings uh, on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensively. And, of course, the longtime face of the program, Frank Gore, goes the way of the Buffalo. Congratulations to him and all of his uh, – all of his accomplishments, but obviously that's just one spot that's going to have to be filled, Noah. Yeah, I mean, I think the loss of Frank Gore Jr. is, you know, uh, it's huge for this program. I mean, we've all seen just the running back that he has been. I mean, even when I started covering the league, you know, several years ago, you think back to the initial introduction of the super back and what he was, and then, uh, you know, his maturation, you know, running for over a 1,000 yards, you know, and, and finishing, you know, his Southern Miss career, you know, highly ranked in the all-time record books as a running back. He has been an electric player, and I think that is going to be something that, that Will Hall and company are going to have to, uh, you know, try to fill those shoes, and those are not easy shoes to fill. So I think if you're, if you're looking ahead to the 2024 season, I think figuring out who is going to cover for his offensive production uh, is, is a very high priority. Uh, if they can do that, this is a Southern Miss team that, probably can rebound from, you know, this disappointing 2023 season. But uh, filling those shoes is not going to be easy. And you've talked about the development of Ethan Crawford, the continuing development. Yeah, I think that probably is, is one of the bigger storylines, you know, looking ahead to next year. We saw Ethan Crawford play a lot down the stretch. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him. Obviously, he's going to bring that dual threat ability. I just think, you know, from my outside perspective, he has the ability to change games in a way that a guy like Billy Wiles never did. 
Uh, so I think Ethan Crawford, you know, could be a really nice piece down the stretch. Obviously, uh, there's other quarterbacks in that room. There's a, you know, I, I think it's John White, the highly uh, recruited yeah. freshman um, that's stepping in there as well. That maybe will battle him uh, for that quarterback position. But I think it's Ethan Crawford's job to lose heading into 2024. But uh, a little bit of competition in that quarterback room uh, is not necessarily a bad thing down in Hattiesburg. No, you mentioned uh, John White, and uh, really, if you look at 24-7 rivals and, and on three, Southern Miss, either one or two. I think one maybe have them three, but but Will Hall knocking it out of the park. Uh, what, what does that say? Go to that out, outside perspective again. It's, it's important for us to hear it occasionally because we're such homers sometimes, but... Uh, when when you would you would look at the recruiting class and you would see you know there were guys that had some P five offers that that uh, stayed home like guy like Caleb Moore Jalen Washington from Houston High School in North Mississippi and then uh, the the transfer portal we hadn't even reported on on some of these yet but you you get Larry Simmons out of Moss Point who comes from the way of Ole Miss he was a top ten Mississippi recruit. Uh, a, a couple years ago, and I, I guess the question I'm asking you specifically is: You would look at that recruiting class, and you would say that that's not a three and nine football team, or at least uh, the program isn't isn't like a dumpster fire, like some people would call it. I mean, is is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I think it's very fair to say, and I'm thinking about some of the Southern Miss message boards that I've been in, and I honestly thought we were getting rid of the Southern Miss program uh, after last season, but uh, to see the work that Will Hall and his staff have put in to go in and build a top-ranked recruiting class, I think you know one of the things you mentioned, and I was listening to another podcast the other day talk about the fact of you know keeping some of these Mississippi guys home. I think that's huge. I mean, we all know that the premier football talent tends to come out of states like Louisiana, Georgia, Florida. Uh, but there is a lot of talent in Mississippi, and keeping some of those guys at home, I think, is a huge win. Picking up some of these bigger-time transfers uh, for Will Hall, I think it bodes to some confidence uh, you know, in this program moving forward. Now, I will say you look at a guy like Butch Jones, who he's had back-to-back top-ranked recruiting classes, and obviously we saw the results now in year three of those top-ranked recruiting classes. We saw some dividends this year, but, um, you know, recruiting rankings are recruiting rankings. There's something for us to get excited and talk about in the offseason. I want to see when the rubber meets the road, come spring camp, come fall camp, uh, what does the Southern Miss football team look like? But uh, things certainly trending in the right direction. We're visiting with Noah Frary, the Frary and Smith podcast. Be sure to check them out. Great coverage of the Sun Belt. Uh, Noah, about uh, three or four minutes left. Let, let's kind of go to uh, to uh, Noah Frary's power index uh, at the end of 2023, moving into 2024. Maybe your top four or five teams in the Sun Belt trending in 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 the right direction. The teams that you think, you know, have the have the chance uh, to do make a lot of noise in 2024. You know, for me, guys, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with James Madison. I, I mean, they've proven over the last couple of years that they're going to be a power. I've said, I believe, even on this program. Uh, when you compare the budget of their program to that of others, uh, it clearly speaks to a, a program that is well positioned for a long-term run of success in this league. I think they're going to be a team, you know, come 2024 that we're going to be watching out for despite all of the, you know, changes in personnel as well as players. I think they're, they're, that's a team to watch. Um, you know, for me, App State proves a lot. And, you know, ultimately, whenever you're looking at teams for next year, you always want to look at programs that are bringing back quarterbacks and App State got a huge win keeping Joey Aguilar, um, you know, on the mountain there. I think that's an App State program uh, that will be in contention, you know, for the, the championship next year. 
you know, another team, and I'm and I'm kind of in the Sun Belt East right now. But I was really pleased with what I saw at Coastal Carolina in the bowl game. I think uh, for Tim Beck to win eight games uh, in his first season at the helm, I think was huge for that program. They've had a lot of wins, uh, you know, in the transfer portal already. They're bringing in a former starting quarterback in the Big Ten and Noah Kim uh, to Conway to to play some football at quarterback there. So. I think Coastal Carolina is going to be there again. And if, I, if we were looking at the, the Sun Belt West, I feel like it's a little bit more wide open right now. Trendy pick would have been Troy. Obviously, we're seeing what's happening there after losing John Summerall and company. So I'm, I'm still up in the air of what we're going to see from that, that Troy program next year. I think South Alabama is a wild card. But the program I'm most excited about right now is Texas State. Um, you know, you go in there first season under G.J. Kenny, you win the program's first bowl game. You know, they've created a ton of hype. Uh, around that program. I think that that is a team that is well-positioned to win the Sun Belt West next year. Uh, maybe a Louisiana gets in the conversation. I think Southern Miss has a chance to, to make a run, maybe not at a conference championship, but at least to get back to bowl eligibility. So, um, you know, if I was picking four teams that I'm excited about heading into next year, I'm looking at Colston Carolina, App State, James Madison, and uh, looking in the Sun Belt West at Texas State. Kelly? Well, the fact that uh, the fact that you're not necessarily picking Southern Miss is probably probably what coaches would prefer, you know, is to, is to maybe fly under the radar a little bit. But I think it's it's clear around these parts, Noah, and and I bet that you would agree as well that that it has to take a, a big turn for the for the better next for everybody involved. And to me, what's what Eagle fans should be confident about is you mentioned the two hires of OC and DC. You know, one of the things those guys always have to think about is job security, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to go somewhere where they might be gone in a year. So it tells me a little bit that uh, that both of these guys think that there's some talent in the cupboard. Southern Miss just has to make it uh, turn into W's. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think there was there was talent on the field this past year. That was evident. I mean, you guys mentioned off-air being at the App State game where we saw Southern Miss have a huge offensive day. We saw strong play. Uh, down the stretch, they played Texas State really well in that second second half and almost came back. So this was not a horrible Southern Miss team. They had a lot of really good pieces. They just never put it together. Uh, you bring in some new leadership. Can you put it together? And, you know, I think Southern Miss fans would be happy with a team that goes 7-5. and five. Uh, You know, maybe you get to 8-4. To and four. I think that would be a big win. I think that's what many of us thought we were going to see this year from Southern Miss. Uh, so I think that's the step that they've got to go. And if that doesn't happen, uh, we might be having a different conversation at this time next year. No, thanks for your time, man. Happy New Year to you. And I'm sure we'll be talking to you in 2024. Absolutely, guys. Always enjoy coming on the Eagle Hour and wishing uh, you and your families a happy New Year as well. Appreciate it. It's Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith Podcast. Be sure to check him out. Great coverage. We'll close out the Eagle Hour. Some transfer portal. More news coming up after these commercial messages. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good times to Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith Podcast. Great Sunbelt Conference podcast. Be sure to check them out. Everywhere you check the Eagle Hour out in podcast form. Of course, you can go listen later today on demand at supertalk.fm or podcasting platforms. There's a plethora of them. Got those peas in, Kelly. Yeah, plethora of platforms. I like that. My teeth. Podcasting are... platform. Oh yeah, there you go. Here's another one. Yeah, I got my teeth glued in today. A so we're good. Plentiful plethora of podcasting 
platforms, platforms. produced perfectly by Michael Mergens. Got the, got the little MM at the end as well. Anyway, you can uh, you can check us out on uh, in podcast form, Google Podcasts or Google Play, I should say, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Audible, or just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. The aforementioned Michael Mergens producing for Kelly Santer and I from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Lady Eagles, trying to uh, trying to stop a three-game slide. Started off the season seven and three, and uh, dropped the last three. They'll get ready to host Marshall in Sunbelt opener on Saturday at two p.m. Men will be on the road in Statesboro Saturday at two to take on Georgia Southern. We'll have uh, Danny Reed on tomorrow, the voice of Georgia Southern, as well as Joe Moreno to talk more about um, some portal stuff. We're going to bring you some portal news in just a minute, but to get uh, somebody from officially Southern Miss football to talk more about this uh, highly regarded recruiting class. All right, Kelly, while uh, we were, um, while chestnuts were roasting upon an open fire and we were celebrating uh, a Merry Christmas, Eagles get three more, count them, three more portal transfers. Desmond Baker, a linebacker from Western Kentucky. Kyron Heath, a tight end from Ole Miss. And Larry Simmons, a wide receiver um, from uh, Ole Miss as well. I haven't checked out Baker as much. Simmons should have three years um, to play, and I think Heath has two years. Heath played 20 games for Ole Miss, uh, primarily on special teams. He's a backup tight end, did catch a few passes. But Larry Simmons is a guy people should really get excited about. You look at his uh, recruiting profile. This guy, two years ago, um, was the number two wide receiver prospect out of the state of Mississippi, number ten overall prospect, and he had he ended up going to Ole Miss, but he had offers from Utah, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Memphis, Miami, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Oregon, Tennessee, and and Southern Miss. So six one one ninety out of Moss Point, he's coming home to Southern Mississippi, uh, to South Mississippi, and to uh, the University of Southern Mississippi. Um, Kyron Heath is a 6'4", 232-pound tight end coming out of, uh, of high school. He's from Mansville, Texas, had offers from Archie State, Colorado State, Liberty Marshall, um, Texas State, and uh, was actually recruited, I think, to, uh, to Ole Miss. Um, no, that was actually Simmons was recruited by Jeff Lebby, who's now the head coach of Mississippi State. Desmond Baker uh, played... Uh, junior college ball at Northwestern Mississippi, originally from uh, Clinton. So now he's uh, he's coming home from Western Kentucky. So that brings the total now to one, two, three, eight, eight portal guys. And I think we've got two or three scholarships left. We'll get that from Joe Moreno tomorrow. But those are some key pickups for Southern Miss football. And well, Simmons obviously is going to be the the headliner there. But but of course, with that goes a lot the pressure that goes along with it, which is you talk to guys like that and they say, "Man, I wouldn't have it any other way." That's why he was going to Ole Miss was to make some headlines and do some things up there. And uh, as it turns out, just didn't work out. So um, you know, it's great that he's going to land land at Southern Miss. And uh, that number and percentage of Mississippi players on the Southern Miss roster, it looks like, will continue to go up as well, which has been a common thread that Will Hall has always said. Look, we're going to live or die. Of course, he he believes live all the way, but with with mainly Mississippi guys, you know. And Noah Ferry was talking about how deep the talent is in Mississippi. So, uh, remains to be seen, but it certainly looks like everything's coming up roses in the off season. 
It's uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it just shows you, you know, what type of uh, presence he carries in in the state and uh, the ability to get some of these uh, portal guys. And you know, they get, they've got two or three left. Shout out to Frank Gore Jr. He has accepted his invitation to play in the 2024 East West Shrine Bowl. It'll be played on February the first at the Ford Center in Frisco, Texas. So and, uh, pretty cool for uh, for Frank Gore Jr. to play in that game. And did you see Jason Brownlee catches a touchdown pass he did. with the Jets? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, it was a little quick quick uh, slant off the top. Happy to see him get that memorable first touchdown in the NFL. And I don't know, I don't know how anybody can defend that slant in the NFL. I mean, it just seems to be open all the time. Well, I w- he was in uh, well, he was in the trips formation. Yeah. So uh, just kind of ran underneath. Um, about a minute minute left, Kelly, 45 seconds or so. Your thoughts about the uh, the NFL this weekend? Uh, well, the playoff picture now becoming more clear. You know, I was I was intrigued how everybody was jumping on the 49er bandwagon saying that San Francisco was going to wallop Baltimore. Oh. And and maybe because I'm a Bengal fan and I'm more sensitive having to play, you know, my team having to play Baltimore twice every year. But if Baltimore didn't prove with that game over San Francisco that they're the best team in the league, how can you not say that they're not? Todd Monkey. Well, I, you know, Saints. yeah, no, that we'd love Listen that. Listen to us, Coach. We 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 should salute the uh, Las Vegas Raiders for being a servant of public justice. <laughs> yes, and uh, defeating the, the poor Kansas Chiefs. Oh, Chiefs! My heart. Bleeds. Hey, uh, t- you're you're gone, right? You're going to Memphis. Yeah, my Iowa State Cyclones are playing Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. So some of my uh, some of my dorm buddies are getting together, going to go up and have fun. Happy New Year. Defeat the Memphis Tigers for, Thank you. for all of us. You I'll well. be having the show with Michael tomorrow and Friday. Joe Moreno from Southern Miss Football and Danny Reed from Georgia Southern joining us tomorrow. We'll catch you same time. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. To the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.